you know, there was elements of it, particularly in the second half, where we showed the kind of team we want to be, and that's what you're looking for. And, uh, you know, I'm not silly enough to think that, you know, two weeks into a season and six or six or so weeks into my tenure, they were going to be putting in complete performances. But what you want to see is, you know, some some sprouts of growth in terms of the team we want to be, and I, I definitely saw that. And, and and real resilience too. We had to show it in the first game, and you know. With, with things that sort of went against us, and and today, you know, we again, you know, we could have gone into our shells in the second half, but if anything, we we got more brave and more courageous in our football, and we got the rewards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. Well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire, and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 139, and we have got a fun one to talk about today. We, we heard from a lot of you. You know that this is going to be a Positive Vibes podcast, and I'm excited to be along for it as Spurs defeat Manchester United in the home opener 2-0. It was a thrilling game, a thrilling atmosphere, and I'm excited that Mr. Scott is alongside to talk about it. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, how are you feeling on this fine Sunday? Like you said, man, the vibes are good right now. Um, it's been a while, probably 18 months. I uh, I met up with my buddy outside of the witch yesterday before we walked in and i i think i told him it's been 18 months since i gave a shit about one of these so it's nice to be here and um nice nice to get the three points for sure no question about it i shared in our group chat yesterday before the game that it was the first time in a while that i was feeling like my hands are clammy and my heart's beating a little faster before a game it was like there was a little bit of oh this means something especially you know there was a there was a, a vibe that you saw on social media before the game with a protest outside, but then the fans were were packed in there, a big tifo going on. It was just there was there was a lot to it, and uh, it, yeah, the the feels tend to be creeping back, which is kind of a nice feeling. Uh, Caroline is also with us. She is at CG Stefco. I know Caroline and I both woke up very early this morning to watch the Women's World Cup final. So if the the energy is is sapped at any point, we will both try to rally and 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 get it going for for you all today but caroline how are you feeling are you, are you are you rested at all today or are we are we just running on fumes you and i yeah i got i got a little bit of a nap in after the the final whistle so you know like we said the vibes are really good i don't know if my energy is at its top level but i will try to get there at some point in this podcast <laughs> i know yesterday we were all buzzing and and i'm i'm, I'm actually part of me is mad we didn't record yesterday and and at least catch capture some of that but also part of me is also glad that we did wait about 24 hours or so to record because we can take a more level-headed view and not just be up in the clouds completely uh and try to analyze this game and 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 talk about it 
with some hopefully some sense the three of us um bef- bef- go ahead caroline well you say that but i'm i'm sitting here feeling pretty good about the fact that our season's off to a great start and you know some of our top six rivals so to speak are not having such a good start to the season so i don't know if my feet are on the ground at this point i'm i'm pretty like hyped but <laughs> it's a good feeling to have like you said after so many seasons of like I, I couldn't even get excited about these big games anymore because I just had no no real hope and it was good to feel those jitters again and and the excitement of like actually pulling off the win you know no there's there's no question about it and of course what you're alluding to is we did we did all get to witness today uh old dad and his new new, new Chelsea team uh kind of dropped the ball and 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 got their got their asses kicked a little bit over there at West Ham which was you know uh, there's a little bit of okay that's kind of cool to watch too there there is a little bit of that going on i i, I agree with you 100 percent on that so uh glad glad we waited and glad we're in our normal our normal spot for everyone uh before we get into the game I, just a little bit of admin i want to take care of uh real quickly first of all shout out to everyone in southern california i know our friend todd is there and they're dealing with a with a, a hurricane right now which is kind of wild to think about um so thinking of everyone who is uh, is going through that also thinking of everyone in Maui as well. Um, Hawaii has obviously been hit by a, a really, really bad wildfire about a week, week and a half ago, and, and they are going to be recovering from that for quite some time. Um, I just wanted to shout out uh, the Maui Strong Foundation. Foundation. Um, if, if you are, are in any position to donate, um, Hawaii donations uh, to the Maui Strong Fund uh, are, are run by the Hawaii Community Foundation. They're going to be providing things like food, clothing, shelter for those who have lost their homes. Um, the, uh, go to hawaiicommunityfoundation.org slash Maui Strong. 100% of those donations are going to the community's needs, and the HCF is not going to be collecting a fee from those donations. So just want to shout out to uh, all of our listeners uh, out there on the islands. Um, it is a really, really brutal thing. I heard some brutal stories this week about uh, everything that those folks are going through, um, and it's it's really, really tough situation. So I just wanted to uh, get those things out of the way before we, we kind of talk about this game. Um, Scott, let's start by talking about this lineup because there were two changes in the lineup that Ange Postacoglu made from the Brentford game a week ago. Those changes were Pat Matesar came in for Oliver Skip, Pedro Porro came in for Emerson Royale. Uh, also, one change on the bench is Fraser Forster made his return to the bench as the backup keeper. Um, obviously, not as big of a deal as the starting lineup. But what was your initial impression when you you heard about these two changes? Um, and obviously, they they kind of worked out. I think both of them played fairly well and we'll come on to talking about both the guys that came in but what was your initial reaction and thoughts about the 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 lineup switches which I'm not sure everyone would have fully expected after a pretty good performance a week ago at Brentford yeah I was really happy to see Sar I think we've all been kind of waiting for for a look at him under post Akoglu um I guess with Sar wouldn't need to say much more than that I was I was just happy and excited and and with Pedro Poro you both know this from our chat, but I was definitely suspect and a little bit concerned. Um, but also for the first time, I wasn't like, well, I was concerned for, you know, personally, but I also suspected that, that and is somebody that we can all trust when it comes to lineup selections, which I think is easy to look past, but it's so important right now because I, I think with the last two managers, we didn't always trust that what they were doing was, was the right decision. Um, I, I don't even include noon. I always talk about the last two managers if it's just Jose and, and Conte, right? But um, uh, we'll just say I trust Angie's fullback decisions and wingback decisions a little bit more. So, yeah, I was I was concerned, but um, as you said, and we'll get to it, no concern was required. 
Caroline, did you have concern about either of those two players coming in, or was it in, in Angie Trust? Let's just see what happens here. Yeah, I think I met Angie in, in Angie Trust State already. Um, for one thing, it's just refreshing to have a manager who is confident in making kind of bold changes. Um, you know, especially when I, I don't think you can really say that either player who dropped out of the starting lineup from the Brentford game necessarily did much to warrant being dropped but I think it's more so that he like you said in his post game he's just trying to assess his options at this early point in the season like obviously he's he's just come in and he's got to get used to the different options that he has in the squad so I really didn't have any problem with that um, I was excited to see Sar and he definitely earned that excitement um, for me he was player of the match but I I do still have those lingering concerns about Poro defensively and I think United were not really set up well to take advantage of that on this day but a a better team might so kind of got to put a pin in that one I think you brought up Angie's post-game comments on on making changes to the squad let's 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 hear from the man himself right now now what I need to do at the moment is kind of just explore the squad and the individuals within it you know that it'd be just silly of me at this point to sort of stick with a with some sort of formula in terms of team lineup because unless I expose some of these guys to this level trying to play our football I won't find out about them so you know it could have been very easy not to make any changes because you know the guys who dropped out you know Emerson and Skippy didn't do anything wrong last week you know they put in great efforts but you know I wanted to see Papi I wanted to see Pedro you know and there's others I want to see and, and we'll use this without you know disrupting the cohesion of the team um but this early bid, it's an opportunity for me to see guys out there and give them a taste of it as well, because I think that then, you know, feeds into, you know, their development that, you know, if they're out there and they can see they can do it, um, you know, that gives us more personnel to work with moving forward. And honestly, I kind of like that mentality from Ange. If he's, if he's in this, you know, first part of the season and wants to mix things up and try things out. I'm totally okay with that. I I'm the expectations thing. It's weird coming into this season where we all, obviously the expectations have been a little bit more muted than they have in previous years. And if it's going to take him a month or so, maybe even a little bit more to feel things out and change things up and see what he has, especially in these final few weeks before the transfer window closes. I want to know where he's at. And if he's going to bring in SAR and he's going to perform like that, and he's going to bring in Poro and he's going to perform like that. I'm, I'm totally okay with it. Um, let's, let's, let's hammer on SAR first because obviously he's, he gets the, the big goal. And I just thought uh, he was so strong on the ball. He was so, um, forceful and and seemed to fit into exactly what Ange wants to do, Scott. Like he he was progressive in a way that I'm not even sure I knew he could be. I, I thought I I thought of him as more of like a, a middle of the field, you know, transition the ball, not quite a box to box guy, but he's so young, but also and and he looks kind of like a string bean at times, but he also he he shows you those moments where he's like, no, I'm I'm a big boy and I can move guys off the ball, and it was just like. I, Every time I saw him on the ball or making move, I was like, whoa, if this is the player that we have, this could be something really, really special. Yeah, he's great, both progressing the ball and defensively. Um, but I also think where he was maybe most important every in this system, the ball is going to get stuck on the wing quite a bit, and we need to recycle it back through 
back through the midfield, and we saw it under Potch. I mean, there were some games where we'd have like 70% possession and just couldn't find the back of the net, right? So you need guys that that have have vision there and are comfortable being that outlet for the recycle. And he did a really good job of it. I think he he seems he seems to be uh, quick to make the right pass and. He's not just receiving the ball and just shuffling it along. He's receiving the ball and, and analyzing his options to determine if we have opportunities to, to create chances as opposed to just, again, recycling it around the box to the other wing, which is so easy to do in that situation. So, yeah, I think he seems to be very mature. I think there's a reason why he was, you know, winning awards as a young footballer like he was. and um starts for his for his nation you know whenever they play at this point he's he's a very t- talented football player and obviously Ange is really excited about him so I think it was reported today that four offers were received from for, from various clubs this this window for SAR and Ange dismissed them out of hand all four of them so yeah said 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 hell no <laughs> this this is my guy Caroline you already said it you thought he was he was the the man of the match for you. I I wouldn't have. It's funny. Like this was a match where you could have told me four, maybe five different players were man of the match, and I would have said, "Cool, don't don't have any disagreements with that." If he's your choice, like go ahead, shine a light on him. What what, what did you think of of Sar's performance overall? And obviously the the goal I thought, which I thought was like not only opportune but like it it felt instinctual to be there, be there for for this moment and bang that goal home, right? Yeah, I just thought he reflected the overall goals of this team under Ange Postacoglu, that players need to be making themselves available for those attacking opportunities. And we're just seeing a much more fluid system than we ever saw under our last few managers. Um, And I think one of his strengths is that y'all kind of pointed out he he can get forward and attack, but he's really dependable on defense as well. Um, I feel really confident with him when he's in possession. And yeah, I just thought it looked like a very mature performance from such a young player. And I I didn't realize it was his first goal. I don't know when I thought he scored last season, Um, but hearing that kind of took me aback. And, um, but it was really special to see him get that moment, especially in front of the home fans and such a, you know, high pressure game. Like that's a big moment for him personally. So, yeah. And I think like you said too, Andrew, you know, when we were chatting after the game, it, there were so many players you could pick out as having a good performance, but it was just as difficult to pick out anyone who really did poorly. Um, so that was refreshing as well. The, the fact that it feels like pretty much everybody's carrying their weight this season. And, um, and you know, I know, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, maybe a, a few moments here and there where something could be done a little better. But I think on the whole, everybody knew what the what the plan was and executed it really well. Yeah, no question. I, I know listeners are going to hear you say uh, there's no one who really played bad. And don't worry, we will come on to Richarlison and the like. Like I, I, I know people are probably listening right now and are like, wait a second, nobody played bad. No, we'll, we'll get to it. Don't worry. We want to we want to take the good first. Um, no, you're, 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 you're spot on. I'm, I'm excited by it. Um, and I agree with you to an extent. Like I, I remember him being on the pitch at certain times last year and thought maybe he had got one in a cup or something. But no, he he didn't actually have as many opportunities, which is another like Antonio Conte is a football terrorist type of, um, you know, type of thing that we can road that we can go down. But like when you talk about the, the job that Basuma's doing and he didn't really favor him and the job that SARS doing and he didn't really favor him, there's like 
there's some stuff I'm seeing here, which is is, is not great. Um, Ange Postacoglu was asked about Sar uh, after the game as well, and had some had some really nice to th- nice things to say. Let's let's hear from Ange right now. Yeah, he's he's been great from the moment I arrived. You know, he's he's got a great energy about him, and um, but he's got quality there too. You know, he's 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 one of these midfielders that you know really causes opposition's problems because whether it's him running with the ball or running without the ball, he runs forward, he runs aggressively, he disrupts oppositions and yeah, he's just got a great temperament for a young guy. Um, so yeah, really pleased for him. Pedro Porro was the other sub and and Scott, you and I talked a lot about um, the, the game that Porro had because early on it was a little shaky, especially defensively, but I think we kind of locked in on the fact that it was one specific defensive thing that Spurs were doing, especially early in this match. And it was when they were playing it out the back and he was receiving the ball with his back to the press and he looked really uncomfortable in that. And I think we've all kind of questioned Pedro Porro's ability defensively. Everybody said this guy's a wing back or a winger. He's not a fullback. I think we saw a lot of those things, but also we saw a lot of what has been advertised with Pedro Porro. He's really good going forward. He can be progressive. He hit the crossbar with, with, a, with, a, with a brilliant shot. Um, he, he, there's a lot of brightness there. And I think when we all saw his name written in the lineup against Manchester United, you think, Oh, is this going to be a spot that's a little too big for him? But I thought other than those moments where he was being asked to play it out the back and beat a, a pretty good Manchester United press, other than those moments, I thought Pedro Porro looked really good. And I was kind of impressed by him. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Similar to yours. I think he was definitely shaky playing, playing out of the back early in the match about 20 minutes or so, like you said, I think that that can be worked out. Um, I don't think that that's something that a, a talented technical footballer can become better at right? pretty quickly, especially under Postacoglu. I think what I was most impressed with was some of the tackles that he made. Um, his timing has improved and his spatial awareness for me has improved big time. So he, he seemed to be making a lot of quick progress under Postacoglu and I would never say that I'm upset about a $45 million signing showing that they may be, you know, worth $45 million because there was a, a period there where I certainly didn't think that was the case or was, or I shouldn't say that I was questioning that, right, for sure. Um, and it was all defensively. So if he is going to continue to improve um, in ways that we saw come to fruition yesterday against Man United, then, then I, I'm very happy to have two competent right backs. Caroline, I think the other thing that I noticed about Poro's game is that in the moments that he did look beaten defensively or like he was off the pace or something, it was almost because either Sar or Basuma were helping out and were right there. And it was almost like the system just appeared to be working. Like when Poro was too far, being too progressive and too forward, it's because a midfielder had dropped to cover him. And when he was back, it was because the midfielder was being more progressive. There, there seemed to be good cohesion on that right side, at least. Um, what did you see from from Poro's first start? And and are you in favor of him getting more more opportunity over Emerson Royale in that spot? Or do you want to see a more true, like just a true rotation? It, it's going to depend on the opponent, obviously. But what are your thoughts on that right bat spot after two matches? I think it will depend on the opponent, but I'm also still of the opinion that I would like to see him given a chance at right winger as well, just to see how he does there. Cause I think it might be a little more suited to his skill set. but you know, I think that's a good point about the kind of interplay that he had with the, with the midfielders. Cause we saw the same thing on the other side with Udagi, like he had a few shaky moments in possession as well, but you know, 
the midfielders as well as Van de Ven on that side were able to cover for him. So I'm, I feel like I'm coming around to the idea of him playing in that right fullback position in a way that I wasn't comfortable with in preseason, uh, just cause I'm seeing how all of the pieces are coming together, you know, as, as a bigger picture across yeah, the squad. Th- there's no and, question. The system is working. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, trust an inch again, but I think it's also important to remember that Poro is only 23 and I feel like we were having kind of similar conversations with Emerson, you know, in past seasons where it's like, we can't just write him off. Like he's still a young player. He has time to develop and work on these, you know, weaknesses um, that, that he has. And I feel like we've seen that with Emerson and hopefully we'll see it continue with Poro as well. I think there's also a a brief adjustment that I'm having to do in my brain with the midfield. We're talking about the midfield and, and its ability to link with the outside. And, you know, the past couple of seasons, we've only had two true midfielders on the pitch at one time, and now we have three. So I'm trying to adjust to, does the, does the midfield look really good because the midfielders are really good? Or is it because there's one more body in that midfield and we just are able to control possession a little bit more? I think it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other. I think it's a little bit of both, but I'm trying to find that balance. Scott, are are you catching any of those vibes? Because to me, like this midfield alone, like if we just focus on the trio of Madison, Basuma and Sar, I thought all three were just, they were amazing. Like I, I hate to use such a, a simple adjective, but they just were so damn good. And they really like, especially in that second half, they just kicked Manchester United's ass up and down the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it's it's more so the system than anything else. Having a third midfield is always going to be helpful and, in my opinion, necessary in the Premier League. Right, that third midfielder is crucial. Um, it's really hard to play with a double double pivot if if you're not set up to do so correctly. And I guess that maybe just takes me back to last year, but but no, it's it's all the system for me and. Um, I think when we talk about the system, though, it's important to point out that we, we're we're back to a place where we have the right players for what we're trying to do. And, you know, I, I think it's obviously on, on Levy that we went in direction of having two different managers who didn't really have a, what was required to play their best system. And then we tried to feed that to them quickly, right? And it just kind of spiraled and became a shit show. But now we're back to playing a brand of football that suits the majority of our squad. And um, and we've given Postacoglu a couple of pieces, too, that he required. But overall, it's a system for me um, more than anything else as to why our midfield looks so good right now. And, of course, they're all, they're all playing well. I wouldn't take anything away from, from them there either. They are. There is a potential um, little bit of injury note out of out of the midfield. Of course, I'm sure many people saw James Madison was reportedly leaving the stadium yesterday on crutches. Uh, word we have is that it may be about a two-week injury for James Madison. Now, he could also play against Bournemouth next week. We just don't know for sure. The club has obviously not said anything and probably won't. Um, but we it will be interesting to kind of see where the midfield goes. But Caroline, to, to the point on the midfield, I mean, look, maybe this is coincidence or maybe just a mistake on my part. But when I looked at our rundown today, I realized that I had written midfield dominance two different times. So that just tells you how much I wanted to talk about this midfield. What are your thoughts on the way this thing looks and it being just 
three versus two from last year or are these guys really just good and, and gelling as part of this system and, and, and really flowing? I mean, they sure as hell did against Manchester United. Yeah, I think it can be both because I think we saw over and over again last season that the two man midfield was just not working out. Um, I think the three players that started in this game really worked well together because there was kind of a balance of, you know, what their focus was for each of them. And I also think it would be fair to note that United are kind of going through a transitional period with their midfield with bringing in Mason Mount, a player I've never really been that high on personally. Um, but I think it's, it's clear from their first two games. I watched both of them, obviously ours and, and their first game. And he and Casemiro just have no chemistry <laughs> in that midfield. So uh, they're going to have to sort that out on their end. But I think it is interesting that we're seeing the midfield be so successful and our forward line is really kind of struggling to get going. Uh, that's kind of like the elephant in the room and all of this, you know, happiness from the first two games. And a lot of that, I think, is just stuff that it's like transitioning into a new style of play. And we might, we might have mentioned this on the last pod as well, but I think part of it is that our midfield is mostly players who either are new to the team just weren't getting a lot of minutes. Um, so they're kind of like bought into this, this new style of play from the beginning. Whereas we have players like Sun, Kulisevsky, even Richarlison to an extent who they're really having to unlearn some of the bad habits that they had formed under Conte. And so I think it's just going to take some time, you know, with the three of them and we might start seeing a little bit of rotation as well. Like I didn't, I didn't hate the idea of Sun you know, filling in at striker when Richarlison subbed off. I'm, I'm interested to see more of that personally. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like a balance. We've, we've improved one area of the field and we've got some work to do in another. Before we fully move the conversation on to the, to the forward line. And I do really want to have that conversation. Um, I want to, I want to put the stamp on the midfield by addressing one of the questions we got from Paul Hamilton. Uh, he asked, do we see a role for Giovanni Lo Celso going forward? He had a great preseason, but hasn't touched the pitch yet. And I think Giovanni Lacelso is a really interesting name, especially if we're talking about a James Madison injury, because he seems like the number 10-ish type that could come right in and basically play James Madison light in this system. Um, but I will be in really interested to see if he gets an opportunity over the next handful of games. Of course, it's Bournemouth. Then there's the League Cup game. And, and then another... Um, Premier League game the weekend after that. So it, I think if we if we are looking at about two weekend two weeks for James Madison, it could be like a three match type of thing, and maybe Lacelso gets an opportunity there. But Scott, where are you on Lacelso in general? Because like like Paul points out, like he hasn't touched the pitch, and with a little bit of rotation, I kind of would like to see it. I know Ange had a lot of positive things to say about him coming out of preseason, and it it seemed like before the preseason he was definitively going to move. I, th I know there's teams that are definitely still interested and in, in on him, but it also seems like Ange would like him to stick around and be part of this. Yeah, I mean, I I think right now if if Madison's not on the field, then Lasoso is, and um, Madison has obviously been very good and has been able to play the majority of the minutes. And I think at times, if I don't can't remember if Madison's been subbed off. Um, I don't believe that he has, and I'm not asking you to look, but but I don't believe. I'm that checking. He has, don't worry. So. I'm, I'm I'm making yeah. sure for you. He wasn't yesterday. I'm gonna check. I don't think he was against Brentford, but I'll check for you. I don't believe so. Yeah, but I really feel strongly that Lascelles is the guy who's on the field. If Madison's not, so I 
I think he needs to stick around if we're not going to bring anyone else in because as good as Sar was and, you know, as, as good as Basuma has been, neither of them are, are going to be able to do what Madison does for us. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll need Lo Celso for sure. I think especially when it comes to, to making that, that final pass in and around the box, I don't think there's anybody bar Lo Celso who can do it quite like Madison can. Um, so he'll need to pick locks for us. Yeah, no question. And and to your point, no, Madison has not been subbed off yet. So if he, you know, if he's not able to go against Bournemouth next week, it, that that'll be that. And, you know, he'll miss a little bit of time. And if he is, that'd be great, too, because I, obviously he's been he's been a real key to this whole thing, too. Um, he's been a key to combining that midfield and front line, which, as Caroline alluded to, has has been a little bit of a struggle. Um, no one on the front line has contributed to a goal yet. Um, and I, I don't know. Let's. Let's play this game. Where are you in terms of Sun, Kulisevsky, Richarlison in terms of most worried and least worried, Caroline? Like, what, can we can we play that game briefly? I'm just coming up with this off the top, so don't um you know don't 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 panic. It's not in the rundown, but I'm just thinking like I think I have my power ranking of of worry there, but like where are you with these three and and kind of where we go from here? Because I don't I don't know that there's any like immediate you know panic buttons to be hitting two games in right yeah i do slightly feel like you're asking me to choose which of my children is my least favorite um (laughs) if i'm being honest i think i'm most concerned about kulisevsky because he something has just seemed off about him for quite some time i feel like you know son even though we know it wasn't his best season last year he still had some bright moments at times and i think it was more down to like the system working against him half the time. Um, and with Richarlison, I, I don't really have a good reason for it. I just have like faith that he's going to come good this season, but I do think we probably do need to get another striker in just to give him competition. Cause I feel like he, he's someone who's going to thrive off of that because with Brazil, like he is their number one, but he does have that competition with, with uh, Jesus. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would like to see, I think, Manor Solomon given a chance um, in these next few games because I feel like we've, we saw some really good things out of him in preseason. And like I said before, if, if we elect to have Sun in that striker position, that gives Solomon a chance to come in, um, whether that's for, for Decky or Richie. I'll leave that up to Ange. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I just want some experimentation, I think, as we're, like, figuring out what this forward line is doing in this new system. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'm So I'm not like hugely worried about any of them. I think is the, is the, well, the short story, but well, yeah. I, cool think we, I think the point you made earlier about them trying to unlearn some things and, and, and learn this new system is, is a really astute one. You, 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 you said that earlier and I was like, Oh yeah, that, that is a good point. Like these are guys that have been well-established already in the premier league and granted Basuma and Madison are too, but you know, maybe that helps in just coming in and playing a three man midfield and being progressive. But when you're trying to link up with those guys and with the, the fullbacks who are obviously young and, and mostly inexperienced other than Royal, I guess he, he he's, he's had a little bit more experience than the others, but yeah, there's just, there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect. Um, Scotty Richarlison seemed, honestly pretty pissed when he was subbed off yesterday um which i'm happy about like i want him to be pissed i kind of i don't want him to be putting too much pressure on himself but he was definitely i think the 
the worst player on the pitch yesterday for Spurs. And I, I, I hate saying it like that because no one was truly awful, but he just, he did not see, he doesn't seem to be getting himself involved enough. And after the Brentford match, you know, Andrew was really clear that he didn't think the rest of the team got Richarlison involved enough, but I don't know. It seems like there's, there's something just not quite clicking yet. What are your thoughts on this front line and kind of where they go? Yeah, I don't know. I think if you look at Celtic last year, their their wings were were more of like the, the goal scoring presence and the focus than than their striker at times. So I don't I don't think it's that strange that Richarlison's not super involved. I think what he needs to do to do a better job of is hold up, and that that's just because the system is going to require at times getting the ball to your striker and letting everybody get back into position so the right thing's going to happen. And we don't have that right now. Um, I I think too, you know, not, not to, to revert back to the midfield conversation, but yes, the midfield looked good. I never want to be negative because we're obviously going to win the league, but um, I, I still have to say that, <laughs> sorry. This is, no. made myself laugh but that's good um, no, no, i enjoyed it too. Win the league, but obviously but no um but i i think man man united's bad i think they're pretty bad and so i don't think that like we need to we need to let our feet lift off the ground at this point right we have a lot of work to do and this ties into the front line but man man city would have fucking beat the shit out of us yesterday without without a doubt because our because our front line's just not quite there yet and I think until we can get our front line sorted out our, against a better team, our, our midfield and our defense is going to be up against quite a bit. Caroline put it in, in into the air earlier, too. They did not exploit the wings yesterday, which any – and this is probably because Ten Hog seems to be just a little piece of shit, but they they – they clearly didn't understand that all you have to do is ex- exploit those wide flanks if you want to have opportunities to score against this system, right? And we're going to let that happen. So I don't know what they were doing, but they're they're pretty bad. And so I just want to want to mention that too. And, and the front line, to, back to the conversation, the front line is going to have to improve pretty quickly if we want to be better teams. And so I think we need we do need to be looking at bringing a striker in. I love Richarlison very much i hope more than anything that he comes good and has a great season but i'm just gonna use the name lukaku if you brought him in right now and had somebody to stick up top and 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 hold the ball up someone like that profile right i i think that the system would be better for it um and so richarlison will have to mix the hold up play into his game pretty quickly i think if he's going to be the guy moving forward uh, Lukaku ain't it, my dude. Uh, Caroline and I were both shaking our head no at when you said that name, and I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't think that's the one. I, I do think Gift Orban is is gonna come in. I do think that that feels like a like a hot rumor, but I, I think that'll be the only one. I don't think Lukaku is the guy, Caroline. Do you? No, and it's it's kind of sad because he was such a, a great player at one time, but I I think he's a little bit past it right now. Um, he's had also really bad luck with like his choice of moves. Um, yeah, had some that's, bad that's managers along the way that probably haven't helped his confidence. But yeah, I think I think it's fair to say though, as Scott did, like that kind of profile of a striker, sure, just not him. <laughs> but the one thing I was going to add is that I, out of curiosity, went back to look at the the preseason game where Richarlison had his hat trick to see who was the ten at that point. Um, and that was in the second half, and it was Lacelso. So yes, again, yes. I just I would like to see some different configurations 
try it out, you know, just, just to test and see, like, maybe we have some different, different options for different games, you know? Yeah, no question. And there's, there's a lot of interesting moments that you see Richarlison. Richarlison, it's to me, seems the type that wants to get on the end of stuff and wants to get a ball turn and go with it and shoot. Like he doesn't seem like the type that wants to drop a little bit deeper and he, he doesn't, I don't think he has the touch like, like Scott's saying about hold up play. He doesn't have the, not that he's not strong enough. He's, I mean, he's a strong dude, but I don't know that he's always strong enough to hold off a premier league center back, like just outside the box and then pick out a pass to a, a cutter. Like, I don't know that he has that quite in his game. And we always have to remember too, that at Everton, he mostly played on the wing. Like he was not always their out and out striker. They had, guys like Calvert Lewin playing more in the middle when he was there. And he was able to do that more cut in, grab the ball on, on a pass and shoot or get on the end of something. And he's really good at those things. And I think when he plays up top for Brazil, I think he's doing more of that because there's more crosses, there's more, but you're right. If, if the ball's going to come in centrally and he's going to try and collect it and hold play up, I don't know that that is his, his best mode of operation now i think sun can do that a little bit better and to your point earlier caroline when when sun moved in it was i think it was about on 70 minutes in this game when sun moved into the middle after richarlison came out things looked really good and that was i think after perisic moved out to the left wing um and and sunny sunny actually looked brighter than he has in the first two games because you know we're talking about these three guys as a collective and i feel a little bad that we're kind of harping on richarlison but he is the center focus of it obviously he's he's been playing centrally Kulisevsky has not looked good to me in the first two games Sun has looked good in those final 20 minutes yesterday against Manchester United but was, has been kind of mediocre otherwise but Richarlison's the one that has stood out as ooh, it hasn't really been there and again I'm not hitting panic buttons two matches in I do think he will come good I do think he will score us somewhere around 10 to 15 goals this year which would be I think more than enough Throw me another five assists, hopefully four to five assists. That will be a great season from him. But I also think that we need a, a gift Orban or we need a, a someone else to challenge in that role so that it doesn't always just have to be sunny shifting over from the left side to play centrally that I don't think that can be the backup option for this team for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I was just going to say quick to you, uh, Caroline's point about Kulisewski, I think is well taken and, I have a little bit of concern there as well. I think when when we signed him, I, I remember vividly Juve Day, a good good friend of the pod. If if you're out there listening and you want to get Juve Juve follow, Juve Dave's the way to go. But Dave told me because I was surprised that we signed Kulisetsky for you know a nominal fee or whatever it ends up being. And when I asked Dave why, and again this is right after we signed him, Dave said, "Well, he came out flying." Like and he did. I watched some his first couple of matches at Juventus, and he really did come out flying with his left peg. And Dave said, as soon as the rest of the league figured out that you take his left foot away, you can't do anything. He just stopped producing, dead dead in his tracks, right? And I just see, I see that playing out at Spurs right now. Again, I don't mean to be like be the you know calling an alarm too early or anything like that because he's he's a talented player, but he he's gonna have to figure out how to do more than just cut inside and shoot in this system. And that's the problem. Exactly. I think we all towards the end of his first season or half season, as it was with Spurs had kind of zeroed in on the fact that he was going to have to add fresh dimensions to his game um, because he was getting figured out by oppositions. 
Um, the, the only other thing I was going to add regarding the forward line is that I am kind of excited to see Perisic given a second life at Spurs in his true position that I've been mm -hmm. calling for since he joined. <laughs> You know no, what? That's a great shout, nice. Caroline. Because I was going to shout out. You said you want to see Manor Solomon. I, I, I want to see him as well. I would not even mind seeing, like, what, what if? And, and I'm just throwing this out there. What if they come out against Bournemouth with Perisic, Son, and Manor Solomon on the right side? Like, I would not be opposed to something like that just to mix it up. Same. Get Richarlison and Kulisevsky out of there for a game. Let them clear their head. Let them train like hell over the next handful of weeks. You got to remember too, there is a midweek game with that cup match. Uh, after after the Bournemouth match. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm down with mixing it up. Like Ange said, you got to mix things up. You've got to – he's got to figure this out. And there's no panic button being hit here, but there's also a – Scott, to your point, like if Kulisevsky has one pitch and one pitch only and he's been figured out, he's got to figure out a second pitch. And if he doesn't, he's going to be left by the wayside. And sometimes that, that happens, especially in a league – that is the best league in the world. Like you, you've got to be able to fix that kind of stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I love the Paris that you take too. I think it's so, it's so easy to forget that he was such a goal scoring threat his entire career. And I have, the, I, and probably a lot of people have this, like this, this just mental go-to with him where I'm like, Oh, he's a, he's a, he's a wingback playing forward. And no, he's very much a forward who, Conte just kind of shoved into that wingback position at Inter, and um, you know here we are. So I, I I think there's every reason to believe he could be a very important player who gets a lot of starts this year, and I'm excited to see that as well for sure. No question about it. Oh, go ahead, Cass. Oh yeah, just the last thing I want to say on this, as we're talking about all these possible changes, is that I'm just glad we have a manager finally who's bold enough to make these kind of decisions and is not going to get stuck into playing the same starting 11 game after game when it's continuing not to work. Like, I, I just think this is going to make us so much more nimble this season because it's not going to be easy for opposition to know what to expect from us. So God, it's a good I, I, I am loving Caroline's like mission to just subtweet the hell out of Antonio Conte during every podcast this, this year. It's really like it, there, there are moments on the pod where I'm just like, there it is. There's that knife. Stick it in a little further. Twist it now. <laughs> go, go. I love it. It's so great. Picture me as psycho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, guys, we're 40 minutes or so into this podcast and we have yet to talk about the defense, the goalkeeper, but let's do that right now. And let's, I mean, we talked a little bit about the fullbacks and, and the way that they played. I thought again, Poro, Udogi, great. Love to see it. Uh, but the center backs were really, really good in this game. They were really fun to watch. Um, and the goalkeeper was really good. But let's start with this penalty incident before we get in onto like praising these guys, because I know there's gonna be a lot of people looking at that and go and being a little confused, perhaps. I know I was. Um there and look, if you go online and and look at kind of the, the takes. It's about 50-50 as to people were confused as to why we didn't give up a penalty there and others saying never a penalty. So, Scott, I know where Caroline is on this because we chatted, she and I chatted about it a little bit yesterday in the chat. Um, and I, I think you guys know where I am. I am baffled that we didn't get a penalty, uh, give up a penalty there. But where, where are you on, on the Romero penalty incident? Because for me, I don't know, his hand is out and it, it clearly hits the hand. There's no question about that. I, I just thought, yeah, well, there's a pen. We're about to give up a goal. And 
VAR and everything says no. So I, I was confused by it. Where were you? I, I don't think it's a pen. I think anyone who probably does think it's a pen is more so just because they expect everything to get called against us, right? <laughs> um, but it is I would, not I'll pen. be honest. I was only about 20% like, oh, of course that's going to go against us. I, like yeah. The other 80 yeah, was yeah. like, well, I think that's probably a pen. Yeah, so so you you were closer to Bruno Fernandez than than no than don't don't compare Carolina. me to him. Which is no, not no, a good no. place to be. Hey, that's 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 really disrespectful to me. I I I'm don't sorry. appreciate. That. I'm sorry. I just I had to take an opportunity to take a shot at him. What a little dweeb. Oh, man. But I need to like go yeah. brush my teeth now or something. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Dweeb's an offensive thing to say. Sorry, I don't mean to no. be, but he's, he's also a piece of shit. Him and Ten Hag, we'll just say that. Look, um, they both they both bitched and moaned about it. And look, I don't, I didn't have any sympathy for them, especially after what happened last week uh, with them against Wolves. Like those guys have a lot of a hell of a lot of nerve for for, <laughs> yeah. for coming out and bitching about VAR decisions. I will say that. Uh, but, I, but for but, me, go ahead. No, I'm just gonna say it's, I don't think it's a pen at all because I I think. There's no way you can jump like that and have your arms to on your side. Like you would have to be strapped, <laughs> strapped in at that point, right? right? Of and course. I I just think that I don't think he actually made himself any bigger. I think it's kind of like this. No one, the listener can't see me right now. Yeah. Maybe we'll put out a video, but I think it's kind of <laughs> like this. Like this is a penalty, right? But I just think there's no way you can jump and not kind of end up like this in that situation. So, uh, and it really comes down to not making himself any bigger. And VAR has to be clear and obvious, blah, 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 blah. And there was a call that was made, right? So, anyways, I, I wasn't super surprised. I don't think it's a pen. Yeah, we've got a lot of questions for for the the bodies that 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 run officiating. Uh, a, a lot of questions. Let's be honest. No, where where I am is if you're making that move, if you're jumping to make a play and to step in front of a, a shot or step in front of or or make a tackle, that means that you weren't in position to do so. If you're having to make such a such a lunge for something, that means your defensive positioning was off. And and I don't know that you should be rewarding players for their hands are out from their body because they're having to make a move to get back into a better position to defend. Now, maybe that's just me being a, I don't know, maybe I'm a tight ass. I, I don't know. That's where I'm at though. Like <laughs> if your hand comes out because you're trying to make a move to recover defensively, there's a reason for that. It's because you weren't in the proper position, but Caroline, tell me why I am a, a, a jackass. You're not a jackass, but I do disagree with you in this case. Um, just because I think, my understanding of the updated handball rule, which I think it was what two seasons ago, they made this sort of change is that they're, they're not trying to penalize so much based on subjective decisions about like intention. And it's more about that, that body position, which you can be objective about. And so I, I don't think whether or not, he was out of position or not really comes into it because he's, he's entitled to make that, that tackle as a defender. Um, so I think that's when they ask like, was his, his body were his arms in a natural position for that type of movement. And that's why it wasn't called. So that's my interpretation. I mean, that's, that's fair. And I get that point. And I just, I also thought it was way more of an obvious penalty than the one that happened in the women's world cup final earlier this morning. So I, that's where I'm confused because that one looked way less uh innocuous for those who didn't see it like it was just the hand was down further and he, i thought even closer to the body but that one was called so it, these are these things are still I, I think the thing that that people are struggling with is a lot of this is still up to an interpretation from 
one or maybe two different people because we're talking about a VAR official and, a, and an on-field official, and there's just not a lot of clarity to any of it, which is the frustrating part. I mean, we heard from, you know, there were quotes from John Moss after last week after that incident that I mentioned in the Manchester United Wolves match where they pretty much just admitted after the match that, no, that, that should have been called, and we're not sure why it wasn't. Well, where's the transparency there? Like, we're doing the transparency thing, you know, hours after a match rather than during the match when that's where all this stuff is supposed to be, you know, mitigated and figured out. So that's well, that's where I'm at with it. It's all just kind of a little bit confusing. Yeah, that's I think that's the biggest point, though, is it's honestly really hurting the integrity of the game. And again, I like our our handball yesterday, like boohoo, whatever. We lost a fucking Champions League final because of the one of the most asinine handball calls you'll ever see. So I have no sympathy for anyone at Man United. Again, I don't think it's a penalty at all, but but the integrity of the game is is tattered right now in England because there's no consistency with these calls that are being made. I mean, honestly, you are 100% in the mercy of an individual making a decision at this point in England, right? And and, and to, I will not rule out like absolute bias that somebody in the VAR room is a fan of one of those teams playing or likes them a little bit more than the other. And that even subconscious or unconscious bias comes into play in these in these decisions that are made. So they've got to get it figured out. It's it, you you cannot have the greatest league in the world, quote unquote. Um, you know, uh, have this have this type of decision making affecting the outcome of the league at the end of the season. It's just ridiculous. And as you kind of alluded to before, Scott, it. It gets tricky when it comes down to is it a clear and obvious error or not? Because that's where I think it gets a lot more subjective um, than actually applying the rules as they are stated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also the issue of, you know, the human element. You've got not only the VAR kind of has to intervene, but it's still, except for offside decisions, up to the on-pitch official. So it's kind of like you have to ask them to to contradict themselves and you know there there could be cases when they don't want to admit they made a mistake so yeah it's tough mm-hmm. well and yeah. then and then well in the ref the governing body of, of the referees just comes out whatever pgmll i have no idea what the acronym is but they come out and they just say oops our bad lol and then like we just move on with our life right but the fact that that happens so so abruptly after games and the points are never addressed and nothing ever happens right is is i think the biggest point to all of this and sure i i want to say no one's held to account that's technically not true because these these people are not afforded opportunities to referee for like the next couple of weeks after they make these mistakes which probably does affect their pay and all of that but it certainly doesn't give wolves an opportunity to reclaim two points against manchester united and Manchester United should 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 maybe only have one point right now, if not zero points. And at this point, there's not a person on the world who wouldn't love them to have no points right now. So maybe there's some some bias right right now there. But but either way, I just uh, you know all jokes aside, we've got to get the, the this figured out or not. We I'm not part of of the the FA right, but the FA needs to get this figured out for the sake of our game. Yeah. And Scott, I don't want you to pretend like you don't know that PGMOL stands for professional game match officials limited. Like, and it's not Uh, something that I, that is not something that I just Googled. It's definitely something that I knew off the top of my head. I feel like their their decision making has not been limited at all. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest. It hasn't, it hasn't. Um, 
it's well, something that we're going to talk like, well and here's the thing it's something we're going to continue to have to talk about when when these things happen and that's not good for them either they would rather us not be talking about all of this stuff but we're going to continue to when these incidents happen so it's just kind of where we're at um let's talk for a moment about the goalkeeper uh vicario had a hell of a, a match um and I, while i thought he was good against brentford he didn't you know he didn't make a mess of anything i thought in this match he really made some stops which were just like some of the highlight real stuff that we saw from him before he got here and i'm not gonna make a any big declarations after two matches i'm still gonna have a skeptical eye towards this guy going going forward for the season but so far from what i've seen from him i you know i know there were a lot of people throughout the preseason that were trying to determine whether they thought vicario was a good goalkeeper or a bad goalkeeper just it was black or white it was there was no gray this guy was either good or he was bad um I don't know. At this point, I'm le definitely leaning more toward good, but I'm going to have a skeptical eye on it. Where Where are you at, Scott? I think I'm very impressed. Um, I was going to say I think he's the best keeper on the planet, but I'll 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 hold back on just on joking and say that I think he's a very good keeper, and I'm very impressed. And a couple of those saves, one from Casemiro at very close range, were dare I say they reminded me of a young John Luigi Buffon making some crazy saves when he was at Parma and then eventually in his early years at Juve. Um, I really, really think that he reminded me of, of Buffon with a couple of those quick fire moves that he made. Um, and Buffon has said that he reminds him of himself too, right? So I think when you look at the fact that he has proven himself to be such a good stop, shot stopper and uh, all, all these outlets kind of data and analytics outlets, be it Squawk or whatever it is, transfer market, anything you're using, really cite his ability to, to win those balls that are over the top and, and pounce and sweep. So if we can get both of those things out of him, um, I'm very excited. And I, and I think when you look at how talented he seems to be and the fact that we didn't have to spend maybe half of our tr available transfer budget on, on the goalkeeper, which honestly would have wrecked our plans, um this is prior to the cane money right that changes things but knowing that we got him for for such a small fee allowed us to invest in potentially even somebody like mickey van de for 55 million dollars or whatever it was right so not only did we get this right on the pitch but we got this right off the pitch too which um i think is evident of the growth that that the club has had or or maybe reverting back to its old ways right but just going after uh talented up and up and coming players instead of trying to spend at the top because i've i i've talked about this a ton right and i'll always always take the opportunity to bring this up but when we were signing the tongis of the world and not richarlison's quite yet but but that name maybe comes to mind right and paying these these crazy fees for these guys there was a reason we were able to do that and it was because we weren't quite at the level of of the teams that we felt like we were able to spend like now right and We've gone back to 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 our old ways, and I think Vicario is is a great example of of the fact that we're doing that. So, uh, yeah, great transfer, great keeper. I'm really excited, and he's 26, so um, you can get another seven, eight seasons out of this guy. I think if if you really want to. Caroline, are you feeling as bullish on on Vicario as Scott is? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I agree with with everything Scott just said. I feel like we've been asking for the club's recruiting to get a little savvier. Um, you know, we, you, you either have those big budget moves 
or the ones that are like really opportunistic and neither of them are really serving the wider purpose, like what we actually need. And I think with, with Vicario and Van de Ven as well, who, you know, as defenders go these days, could have been much more. Um, you know, these are, these are young players we can develop and I, I feel pretty good about those, those transfers. And we've acknowledged that Man United were not at their peak in this game. Like that's, that's a fact. However, I think it says a lot about Vicario that he was able to keep a clean sheet in a game like this against a team that has that kind of aura, you know, of, of tradition, traditionally being a really strong team. Um, he wasn't daunted at all. And I think that's what I'm appreciating about him the most so far is just his like spirit and goal. Um, it's kind of a contrast to what we were getting from Hugo in the last few seasons. So yeah, breath of fresh air. I'm all for him so far. Well, and I know you really like his facial expressions as well. Those have been, Oh, he's hilarious. Yes. Yeah, There are some, there are some real facial expressions. I'm going to remain. Um, I, I'm not ready to make any declarations after two games and I don't blame you guys for being excited about him. I'm going to remain a little more skeptical, but I like what I see so far. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to be impressed anytime still that we can, when we can keep a clean sheet because of the way we're playing. And I'm okay with that. I'm not going to be bent out of shape about that, but when you've got Romero and Van de Ven in front, who I, I, I like the pairing. I like what I've seen from it thus far. Um, but those guys are going to be trying to push forward as well, as well as the, the fullbacks that we have, which are, you know, unproven to this point. But all when all of it's coming together, it looks like it did yesterday. And to your point, Caroline, I don't think Manchester United was, this was not an early 2000s Manchester United. Let's just put it that way. Um, but at the same time, I just thought it was, I, I think we need to underscore how dominant a performance, especially in the second half, this was. Um, what if, if I had to, like, I don't know if you guys looked at any of the stats, but if I had to let you know, like, if you guys had to guess what the possession numbers were, what, what would you what would you have thought? Because I thought it was a little closer to 50-50 even than it was. But it was, I mean, this was a match in which Spurs had 56% of the ball. And honestly, like I said, in that second half, it was just dominant. I think what I really liked, and and we'll kind of underscore this and 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 leave the leave the talk of of, of the game itself here. But I, I think what I felt in that second half was almost for the first time they were up one nil for for the majority of the game until they got the the own goal late, which I know we all want to give Ben Davis and and we can spiritually, but it was obviously an own goal. Um, I I think even at one nil, I was really just comfortable even though we were playing real progressively and real forward still, we did not really go into a shell and we controlled things. And that was, I think what was just, it was a comfortable one nil at that point. And then when the second goal went on, went in, I was like, Oh, that's the cherry. This thing's over. Um, I just, I really felt confident. And I say that questioning myself because have I ever, I mean, I obviously ever I have, but not in the past handful of years, have I felt confident in a match like that, against a, a, a team with the talent that United has. Obviously, like we said, they haven't put everything together and, and who knows if they will. Hopefully not. That would be great. But I don't know. I did, there was well, there was a confidence about the, the team. that and, and, and honestly, the fans had a lot to do with that too. The, the atmosphere was great. All of it was, was just vibing. It was really fun to watch. Well, as much as I say Man United was bad, I think they were. I also think a huge part of why we, we kept a clean sheet was we didn't turn the ball over much. Um, we talked about it on the week before that in this system, if you don't turn the ball over on the wings, you're going to have a really good chance of winning football games. And I'm sure that's what was and was pounding into them all week, right? Quit turning the ball over high up of flanks. It will kill you. And 
did a really good job of that. And I think it speaks to Sar coming in for, for Skip as much as I love Skip, right? I think Sar really shored us up from that perspective. Um, Sar, Basuma, and Madison are really clean on the ball. They do, they do not turn the ball over. They're, they're all very confident on the ball. Um, Basuma, especially, I mean, that guy will not will not give up possession. And if we can if we can have those three midfielders healthy and fit, and then Bentiker come back in to supplement, or probably not supplement, right? Pro- probably walk right in once he's back to 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 his old self. But either way, we're gonna have four really really strong midfielders when it comes to retaining possession. And again, that's that's probably the biggest factor to, towards us not conceding goals. So. The the back heel that Basuma did on on Casemiro for the through ball, I was yeah. just I'm like yeah what are what are we even doing? I like they were toying with them, and that's kind of that kind of just underscores what I thought was just a really complete and solid. Obviously, it wasn't perfect. There were moments where you know the goal was threatened, but Vicario was there, and and you know, uh, and well, Andrew was Andrew was very praising of of all of it, and and it was just I don't know. It was it was one of those matches you want to see in the second match of the year in terms of growth because it was like oh this this looks like the bones of something, you know. Well, and Sar and Sar and Basuma are both players that you you need to let them express themselves on the ball, right? And obviously, Conte was never going to be that guy, and Pasta Coglu is is everything that you want out of that type of manager, right? He is that manager. If, if you look in in the dictionary for for letting players express themselves on the ball, and his pictures right there, I would have to think. And and um, yeah, it's really exciting. To, to see what players can do when they're given given that type of freedom, especially as talented as both of them are. Um, you know, we go on and on about Saar, and he was maybe going to be loaned out, maybe this, maybe that. Um, but he's so important for Senegal. And in my opinion, anyone who is important for, for the midfield of an African nation is an extremely talented midfielder. We see it time and time again. Um, and, and I think we have to give our scouting department a lot of credit and dare I say Papa Paratici because Pop Matesar was one that, that Papa demanded that we, we bring in and he seems to, to have hit a gem here. So I, I will say, and I don't think it's funny d- joking about the Paratici and the legal stuff and him going to prison potentially. But anytime I see a meme with Paratici behind bars and like him praising Pop Matesar, I, I laugh at it. I'm not going to lie. They are funny to me and maybe I'm a bad person, but uh, the, all, all of that shit is very comical to me. So I'm, I'm glad that you shouted out uh, Paratici for that because I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it is, it, it, it is part of something that I think we're going to have to live with that this dude did find some gems for us before he maybe departed yeah. or maybe, maybe still didn't because he might still be hovering in a, in a corner somewhere. I mean, he, I don't even think we acknowledged last week that he was at the Brentford game. So that was, yeah, I don't think he's going is, to jail. <laughs> yeah. This dude is still kind of in the ether. It's all very strange, but the one other thing I wanted to shout out was the sub usage because like I'm talking about that second half, I felt even at one nil, so comfortable. The sub, the sub usage was, I, I enjoyed it was three different windows for all five subs. The one that was confusing to me was Hoybier because Hoybier came in over skip into that midfield on like 76 minutes. And Hoybier, look, I, I'm not digging him out. I don't want a nasty message from Todd later when he listens to this because I know that's his boy. But Hoybier makes me nervous, especially in this system. And I know that there's been a lot of discussion about a sale for him and whether or not it's going to happen. It sounds like 
more and more as we grow closer to the, the start of the, the, the calendar turning here to September. It sounds like it might not happen, but I would like it to happen because I don't know that that's the dude that we want bringing into a match. And I was a little confused as to why it happened instead of Skip. I thought Skip would have brought a little bit more comfort for me personally in that in that situation than Hoybier did. There was one particular moment that Hoybier made a pass and if this was late in the match it was already 2-0 it was like 90 seconds or so left he made a pass that led to a chance for united and it ended up that basuma came in and drew drew himself a yellow card because he felt he needed to make a challenge because of the position that Hoybier put them in and i was just that was a moment for me that i was like oh this this he does not look like he knows what he's doing out there or fits in this system well it was kind of like a flashback to last season honestly um i, I lost track of how many times we saw PEH lose a ball in that kind of position and, and get us into trouble. But I mean, we've just been talking about how important it is with our new style of play to have midfielders who are comfortable on the ball. And I just feel like that's not who he is as a midfielder. Um, so yeah, I have the same concern and sorry, Todd, but I, I really think it might be best at this point if, if he is moved on. Um, and I, I don't think he'll take it personally, you know, he knows it's football. He's he's a pro who's been around the game for a long time now. So it just is what it is. Yeah, no question about it. It's it'll be it'll be interesting to see if it happens. I'm like I said, in favor, but if it doesn't, I mean, overall this team needs to be trimmed down. I think we you know, Andrew was asked about that earlier in the week, and there's a lot of consternation about the window, you know, what what are we about 10 days or so away from from the close of the window, less than two weeks at this point, and it's definitely a lot more bodies need to be moved out. Um, and obviously we're still talking about trying to bring in another striker and maybe, maybe another midfielder, maybe another center back. I would love another center back and another striker and, and, and getting a lot more bodies out. Um, but who knows if any of that is actually going to come to fruition. We will, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I did want to play this one other Ange clip from, from, from the match. Uh, he was asked, and this was really sweet. And I don't know if everybody saw it because it was after the match had ended, but he took a moment in the center of the pitch and kind of looked around at the, just the vibes. And, and I want to have a greater discussion about the vibes of the stadium after we hear from Ange, but he, he spoke about that moment and it was kind of really sweet. Let's listen to, to Ange Postacoglu here. You want to feel that moment because I, I've always said that to me, I love what football does to people, um, particularly, you know, in those moments. So you kind of take a moment to think about the 60,000 or whatever that were here or the ones watching at home, that they're going to be smiling for the rest of the week, you know. that's I love that it does that, the game. And, and you know, it's for me that moment is just about sort of appreciating that I'm pretty blessed to be doing what I'm doing and, and be in the middle of, you know, a, a stadium leading a, a fantastic football club. Um, and then you start thinking about next week, mate. So The vibes at the stadium were really, really good. And I think part of that had to do with this protest that happened before the game yesterday. And Caroline, you and I have had some bad words i guess for the supporters trust we did just last week and we even got called out for it on twitter and i get that not everybody likes to hear criticism of the supporters trust and we we've we've praised them and we've also said we don't really think that this is the place that they should be stepping in um and that was obviously in reference to the to the harry kane statement and, and the transfer but this event yesterday that they put on and led a protest against an increase in ticket prices for me that is exactly what the supporters trust should be doing. I want to 
heap all the praise on them. I thought it was a well run. It looked well, like well attended and mostly I, I didn't really see hear of or see any incident from it. It seemed like this is what needs to be done. And I just wanted to give them kudos. Where are you at with, with what we saw yesterday? Cause for, again, for me, the protest almost built into the atmosphere inside the stadium. And I thought that was interesting to watch as well. Yeah. And again, for me, it's, it's not about hating on the trust at all. It's, it's just wanting them to really narrow their scope. <laughs> um, I think I've been consistent with that at least, but, and I think in this situation, the, the protests, they were very clear about what the protest was about and it didn't spill over into a sort of general kind of, you know, Enoch out, get some more transfers, you know, think things that were not pertinent. I think it was good that it was, it was a more focused protest because I think that allowed the fans who participated in that protest, um, which obviously we support to then go into the ground and get into the mindset of, okay, we're in the ground now. We're going to support and we're going to support the team. And you could definitely feel it. Um, even, you know, watching from home on the TV, like I could feel the atmosphere. And it's been a while since I feel like we've been able to say that. So it's it just seems like fans really are getting behind the players. Um, you know, obviously people can still have issues with the board, with the ownership. That's very understandable. And I agree with quite a bit of it, you know, in some cases. But I, I just think it is so important to be really getting behind the team as we're like starting this new project and turning over a new leaf. So I think really well done to the fans who were in attendance and, and built up that atmosphere. And it's great that Ange called that out as like, you know, really being what it's all about. Cause it is what it's all about. Scotty, where were you at with this? Cause like for me, the atmosphere was awesome inside. And I really like, there's been a lot of talk about making the stadium a fortress and obviously it hasn't, you know, there's been moments since, since the stadium was built. I think about like, the city champions league match was, was just that place felt, you know, and looked like a real fortress, but you know, you go back over the last handful of years and obviously this all goes to, you know, the play on the pitch. And I think if, if the play is good, the atmosphere will be there, but also the atmosphere just seems to be there from a standpoint of wanting to get behind something new and refreshing ideas. And honestly, a lot of that goes, I think to the manager right now, because I think he's just doing, I mean, we've, we, we spoke throughout the week about just what a great job this guy seems to do in front of the media. And that's not that's not even me digging out Mourinho or Conte, but obviously those guys were more more. Um, what's the word? Crusty toward the, the media than than Ange seems to be. And Ange has had his moments, too, where he's gotten a little bit, uh, you know, fun with them and, and you know, dug them out a little bit for 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 certain things. And obviously he had to deal with the 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 nonsense uh on tour with the, the, the german media surrounding the cane transfer but i thought i think he's handled a lot of this well and i think it's led to oh the fans are gonna start to feel something again i mean we're all feeling it we're talking about it on a podcast from thousands and thousands of miles away but um i don't know to me the the atmosphere was really something yesterday we, we it, it really did come through on the broadcast even yeah for sure kudos to the fans Regardless of opinion, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that fans who feel tickets are, are too expensive are still willing to go and, and show their support to this squad. You know, it's certainly not the team's fault or Angus' fault that there's this situation going on with the ticket pricing. And I'm not saying I disagree with that. I think it's fantastic the fans are using their right to protest to go 
um, and asked for, uh, you know, a more reasonable fee to come watch the team that, that they love. Um, a team that has been around since the late 1800s, right? So it's woven into the community and uh, I think it's a fantastic, fantastic thing that they're doing. Um, you know, I've said it before, I think it's, sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my head around the ticket the, the ticket price and outrage, right? Because if I'm going to watch Spurs, I'm already paying for a super expensive flight and a hotel and whatever else. And God knows how much money on, you know, beer and food at the pub and stuff. And at that point, the extra 30 or 40 pounds is just like, whatever, I'm drunk and I'm just going to give it to Spurs <laughs> so I can go watch this play, right? But, but um, I have, again, the utmost respect for the people who feel outdone by by this decision and i'm glad that, that they're using their right to protest to, to make it to make it known also very much appreciate that they're willing to set that aside and go support the team so well done well done to the fans yeah i i, I totally agree with you and and again well done to the supporters trust because we we have our issues with some of their scope but i think their scope can be wide i just think it needs to be wide wide to an extent and there's certain things that i'm like really that's that's what the supporters trust is getting involved but this is this is right in their wheelhouse for me well and if if there is a representative from the trust who would like to have a dialogue i have a laundry list of items around the fan experience and support for the women's team that i think would really do well to be addressed um, but that's a topic for another time i guess no, no question. And if any, and if any member of the supporters trust or friend of the supporters trust, he, you know, hears this and and wants to, I don't even want to say come defend themselves because I don't feel like we're going on attack here. Um, but wants to to come on the pod and 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 have a have a chat about the scope because I would like to understand it better. I mean, Scott, you bring up like us as Americans, we don't see everything. We don't have a we don't have as much of a touch. The three of us as Americans, obviously, our good friend Shuban is there and does, but. Um, we don't have as much of a touch, the three of us speaking here with, with everything that goes on and, and, and the scope of what they do. So it, we would love to have a better understanding of it and learn. I mean, we're, we're not opposed to learning things and, and, you know, having our hand held a little bit, at least I'm not, and I'm, I'm more than open to that dialogue. So if anybody uh, from the trust or, or, or friends of the trust want, want to uh, reach out and let me know, you know, what I'm missing on, on some of these things, uh, by all means, uh, let's, let's do that. Let's have that talk. Um, the the only other thing from the game, guys, yesterday that I thought I, I just thought we should shout out was that Deli Alley was in attendance uh, and seated next to Eric Dyer, which is not not weird at all. I mean, that was just like Eric Dyer was left out of the eighteen once again and was seated up in the box, and I don't think that that's strange or or, or weird. But isn't Deli Alley still a member of Everton Football Club? And not that they had a game or anything, but I don't know. I just found that. Not that I'm opposed, but kind of strange. I, it was it was great to see him back in the stadium and getting getting love from the fans and everything. And but I don't know, all of that was a little. Uh, obviously, we talked at length about Delhi this summer and everything that he's been through and 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 has revealed about his life and and all love and respect. But I was just like, wait, Del why is Delhi at the game? It was very strange to me. Well, it's my understanding that he picked up a injury in preseason. I suppose it was so. That, that didn't really bode well for, you know, his uh, timeline to return to play, I guess, because they did have a game today. But, yeah, it's I, it's not a bad thing to see him. Um, I'm sure he got lots of love and attention from Spurs fans, so that, that's a really nice thing. It is kind of weird, the whole Eric Dyer of it, like two weeks in a row, he's not in the squad. Um, you know, <laughs> there's some questions there. But, well, you know, they're old friends, so um, good to see them together. Yeah, and on that dire note too, first of all, fantastic that Delhi was there. I 
I have it in my heart that there's some like magical return once he comes back mm-hmm. to fitness, right? And I think he'd actually be pretty good in the AIM system, dare I say, right? But but with Dyer, we're seeing today that Fulham's very interested in him, and we're very interested in the center back from Fulham, um, who I'm going to not pronounce because I have no idea how to say his name, and I won't do him the disrespect. But, um, yeah, I think that there's there's a little bit of smoke there, and, of course, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a deal done in the next couple of weeks where that, that fella comes to Spurs and Eric Dyer ends up at Fulham, which – for Eric Dyer, that's a great move. You don't have to, to, to move. You don't have to leave London, right? And you're still in the Premier League. And I think they could really benefit from, from a center back right now like him. Um, Tim Ream is fantastic, but he's about my age. Um, and he will need his minutes supplemented, right? So I think uh, it would be a cool move for Dyer. And I, I, I just want to see him play. And dare I say, I want to see him away from the vitriol that is Spurs fucking fans on Twitter towards that guy. It's, it's absurd. So I, I, I want nothing but the absolute best for Dyer, and I think it'd be a cool move for him. Fair enough. I will be interested to see everything that happens. I'm glad that we've kind of got games to talk about because we've been able to mostly put the transfer talk to bed, but we are going to talk transfers here a little bit. But on Lukaku, the women's side... Baby, bring him. Bring no, him we're not talking about Lukaku. No, 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 no. Get that nonsense out of here. The, 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 the club already denied any interest in him like a week and a half ago. Where, where were you? Uh, no, we want to talk about Spurs women now because they, they, they've been busy. They had a busy week. Um, we will talk a little bit about the Women's World Cup as well, but Caroline, Spurs women were really active this past week, made a couple of different signings. Um, what do we know about, about the three players that have come into the club in the last uh, week or so? Yeah, so we had absolutely nothing for weeks and then all of a sudden got these three signings back to back to back. The first signing was Grace Clinton, who is coming to us on loan from Manchester United. Last season, she was actually playing at Bristol City on loan with a Spurs player, Gracie Pierce. So they will be reunited at Tottenham this season. Um, It was kind of a strange transfer to me in the sense that we, for one thing, we've been talking up wanting to do a better job of developing young players. So it was a little disappointing that this wasn't a permanent move and is just a loan because it kind of feels like we're just developing United's player and God knows they don't need any help with that. (laughs) Um, Also, she doesn't necessarily fit a position of huge need for us right now because I think she plays primarily as like an attacking midfielder or as a wide forward. And, you know, those are two areas of the pitch where we've got pretty good coverage, um, at least as far as we know, because we still have some questions about players who were out of contract or had an option we we haven't gotten clarity although most of them seem to be back in training um so those are kind of tbd but you know i think i think she's a good player and it certainly won't hurt to have her in the squad this season um and then we also got a defensive midfielder which was a good good move um and this is a permanent move for olga atenen i hope i'm saying that correctly she's a finnish player um, and she's coming to us from, I believe, the Swedish League. So I, I will be totally honest. I do not watch the Swedish League. I don't have time in my day to add another league. <laughs> um, but I've heard only good things about her, honestly, from people who do know what they're talking about um, and cover that league really, really closely. So I, I definitely think she's going to be a good signing. And the third signing was Barbara Votakova. Um Someone can fact check me, but I think she's probably the first Czech player that we've ever had at Spurs Women. 
So that's interesting. She's a goalkeeper who had a bit of a tough time at PSG. So I'm kind of unclear on, you know, we thought there was a possibility that Becky Spencer was going to be getting in more competition for that number one spot. But now I'm not so sure. Like maybe the club has decided to, to back Becky to be the number one this season after she's had such a strong World Cup. So, yeah, I feel like this this signing kind of left me with some questions too. But she seems to have a really good attitude. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. That was a lot of uh, information. <laughs> no, I, I no, and, and, and we appreciate it. Obviously, you guys are going to talk more about it on N17 Women, I'm sure, at some point, likely this week, right? And uh, that'll be that'll be great. And we'll we'll be we look forward to it. I I made the mistake of I for some reason I thought that the women's season was starting earlier than it was. I double checked today and they don't have their first game until October 1st. So we still have a little more than a month before the WSL season even kicks off. So I actually think that's a good thing now that the World Cup is over. There's plenty of time to integrate and have a real true preseason over the next, you know, five to six weeks, uh, which is a really good thing. And and I'll be interested to see because there's been a, a bunch of new players and and obviously plenty of outgoings as well for, for the team. So I'll be interested to see how they uh, all kind of start to integrate and, and gel together. That'll be, that'll be fun to see. As I mentioned earlier in the pod, you and I did wake up to watch the women's world cup final. We were in our group chat chatting about it. Um, for me, kind of not a boring game. It was exciting, but it was mostly dominated by Spain, even though it was only one nil um, tough, tough break for, for Bethany England, obviously not able to, to lift the cup. Uh, with England and tough, tough for, for, for England, just in general, it would have been like one of those really awesome sporting moments. Not that it's not for Spain, but obviously they've had Spain and uh, the, the team itself has had their issues uh, with the Federation and just a little bit of awkwardness going on there. So not saying I'm like down on Spain winning, like congrats to them. It was a, a great performance. Obviously their, their first women's world cup ever, but um, I don't know. Personally, I think I would have rather the, 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 the better story for me was England, not just because of Bethany England, but um, just for, you know, it would have been the first time since 66 that, uh, that uh, England team of <laughs> on either side. And obviously, you know, women were banned from playing football in England for so many years. So it's just, it would have been the better story for me, but um, I don't know. That's where I was at with it. Where, where, where were you at with uh, just the world cup in general too? I mean, the, the, it was an awesome world cup overall, despite our beloved U S women going out so early or much earlier than, than they're used to. Um, I just, I really enjoyed watching what I could for the time zone difference. And I honestly, I enjoyed waking up at three in the morning this morning my time to to watch a game uh and and that felt like a big big moment yeah it was a big moment and you know i think the tournament overall was really enjoyable i think more so towards the beginning of the tournament i'll be honest towards the end it kind of felt like there were a lot more games where the best team did not win um but i think in this final it's fair to say like whatever issues we have with spain from a you know federation perspective i think the players on the pitch definitely earned that win you know there was no doubt that they were the dominant team and honestly if it weren't for mary Earps playing out of her skin like the, the, the scoreline could have gotten ugly yeah so i i think england's midfield just was not on it today um so the forwards like you know beth she didn't play a ton um and that was kind of the case for her the whole tournament not quite getting as much time as i would have liked to see her have um, but she just wasn't getting the service. So, yeah, I would have liked to see Beth get at least one start. <laughs> I 
And it's, it's kind of disappointing to me because I know that if I were making a choice between Beth as my striker and Alicia Russo, it's, it's Beth every day. Um, but, you know, like with many teams in the tournament, like just them getting to this, the final, that was historic for their program. You know, they've, they've got a lot of positives that they could build from, um, especially within their player pool as well. Some really talented young players and, yeah, I'm I'm not going to miss the early wake up calls, but I am a little sad that the World Cup is ending just because this this was the best women's World Cup we've ever had. I mean, it, it feels crazy to say that because my team did not get nearly as far as I would have liked, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I'm also very much looking forward to the chance that someone other than Fox here in the United States could cover the World Cup going forward because their contract is over. Uh, that that has got to we we got to get soccer off of Fox in 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 the United States. I'm sorry. We just it's it's very 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 bad. Um and please ESPN. I know I know ESPN's going through it right now with layoffs and the like and they're 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 trying to figure out their business model right now, but please ESPN get back in the World Cup game because I have never watched the World Cup coverage be as good as it was. Like honestly, it was it was the South Africa Men's World Cup that did it for me and they did a great job in Rio as well. And they covered, they, they, they did a great job covering the women's world cup as well. They, they gave them equal treatment and they cover them so well. And the fact that we've had to deal with Fox, the last handful of seasons uh, or handful of years for world cups has just been really, I know next year, the, the Copa America and the euros on the men's side are both going to be Fox. And I'm just not, I, th- neither of those are exciting when you've got to watch them on Fox. Um, I would, you know, that's that's where I'm at. I I'm I'm glad the World Cup's over because I don't have to listen to Alexi Lalas uh, anymore. Uh, and 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 I really didn't throughout this World Cup either. I really used utilized the mute button pretty harshly. But God, I just I don't want to have to deal with that anymore. Well, and you know, you've offered up ESPN as an alternative, which I think I would love to hear Derek Ray calling some World Cup games again. That would be beautiful. But I also think Paramount has really done a pretty good job. Uh, especially with their coverage of women's tournaments like the CONCACAFW last summer. I thought they did an awesome job. Um, and I'm a Kid Abdo stan. So definitely wouldn't hate it if they got the rights. I'm not opposed to that either. I just, I think about the the streaming versus linear side of things and whether or not CBS is going to be stepping in and putting massive amounts of soccer over their air as opposed to what Fox has done. And ESPN is obviously cable. And this is obviously a conversation at this point that has turned off many of our, our international listeners because they don't give a shit what we're watching uh, for us coverage for world cups. But this is very, this is a very us centric conversation that we're having that we can probably shelve. But yeah, it's, I, I just, I don't want Fox on my soccer coverage anymore. They are really brutal. I mean, even, even the Carly Lloyd of it all this during this world cup was just very, uh, it was very annoying to deal with. And I don't, want to have to have it be a talking point any longer would it be would it be very upsetting to you if i told you that they have the world cup for 26 as well in the u.s i i thought it was up for being they do yeah oh the men they have the men's yeah the men's they have the men's tournament in 2026 unfortunately so well you know what at least i'm getting the trade-off of at least i'm getting the trade-off of time zones being proper because it is here in north america like at least i can have that to my benefit but my goodness yeah i i did not i yeah it's on the women's side that it's up for for bid and the men's mm-hmm. they do still have one more don't mm-hmm. they damn all right well yeah and i like you i mean it's it's in my own city so i'm ha- very happy that that it's here i'm just 
just kind of bummed that Alexi Lawless will probably be the one calling, calling, calling matches or not calling. Well, he'll matches, be in, but... yeah, he'll be in studio, but still. yeah, in studio for, for yeah, but but at least I'll be in, I, maybe I'll be at matches and won't have to watch them. So there's that. Maybe, maybe, maybe there will be a depot hangout at a match in in a couple of years when the World Cup is here. That would be kind of awesome. I think that isn't the. I don't think they've announced it yet, but isn't the next Women's World Cup? Isn't the United States in the running for that as well, or no? We are, but they have not announced it yet. They're they're so slow to announce when the next women's tournament is every time, and it's like you got to give countries time to prepare. People, come on, come on, FIFA. Not like not like there's a lot of uh, involve involvement in preparing a tournament like that. Not Thank much God. to do. Not much to do. Uh, we don't have much to do because we're we're pretty much done here. I think we've covered it. Uh, we've got Bournemouth for the men's team away next Saturday. Uh, likely going to have the pot out to you next Sunday as well. Uh, after, you know, we'll get a little reaction and, uh, and, and let that breathe, I think. And, uh, we will, we'll, we'll be back to talk about it. It should be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what comes of this. Of course, Tyler Adams, the American, as we're talking very us centric, just signed with Bournemouth. So it'll be interesting. I'll be interested to see whether or not he, uh, makes his first appearance, uh, down there at the vitality stadium. That'll be fun to watch. Bournemouth have, uh, Bournemouth have a draw and a defeat in their first two matches. They drew with West Ham and they lost to Liverpool uh, in game week number two. So, you know, I, I don't know what to make of Bournemouth. I don't, I don't have any grand predictions, but I, I would expect us to go there and put on a show and hopefully put up three or four goals and, and cruise to a victory. That should be fun to watch. So um, be sure yeah, to leave us a rating. It's worth noting. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to say it's worth no, noting one more time that that here we are, you know, antsy and and on the edge of our seats for the next Spurs match. And I think a year ago we were saying things like, fuck me, we have to do this 36 more times. Like, see you guys next time, you know. And, and it's, it's just so refreshing that we're all counting down the hours so we can watch Tottenham play again. My, my friend, it is a great point. I mean, I, like the, the sports diet for all of us has been, you know, we're getting a big – helping right now of spurs in our diet and i really am it's it's nourishing me it's not it doesn't feel like um i'm overeating when i'm watching spurs or talking spurs it feels like it's nourishment it doesn't i'm I'm there with you it's 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 fun and i'm i'm honestly like as i sign off here i'm excited about next week's pot already and we haven't even finished or posted this one that's that's where we're at as spurs fans and i think i think regardless of results that's a great place to be and that's kind of what it's all about uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Help to spread the word about the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok at Tottenham Depot. You can also reach out to us via email at Tottenham Depot at gmail.com. For Scott, he is at DSM Spurs. Caroline is at CG Stefko. You can follow me at ASDetka. This has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on you Spurs. <laughs>